Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter, and here we are, Isaiah chapter 59. This is setting us up for the home stretch. You know, it's after this chapter that you get that those beautiful words in, in chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Um, but you, you don't get the impact of that gospel, you know, which we read on Epiphany every year, um, un until you can appreciate the darkness. And that's what we have here in chapters, uh, well, we, in 58 also that we saw last time, but here in chapter 59, that the situation is, it's longing for justice, longing for righteousness, and it says there in verse 9 of our chapter today, we hope for light and behold darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. Uh, th this is that dark part of the night before the dawn. Uh, it's, in a, it's a place that we can appreciate both in the life of the people of Judah, what was going on um, in, in the wake of everything going on with Babylon and uh, the captivity and the exile, uh, and also something that we can appreciate ourselves in the same sort of spiritual situation that we find ourselves in today. So, a lot of good themes that that really just uh, resonate, I think, when, when we go through these these verses here today. And joining us today, we have one of our regular guests. We've got Pastor David Boyce Clare, pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Welcome back, brother. It's uh, we were we were just talking a little bit before we started that this is a chapter that it it feels like a sermon that's being preached to me, doesn't it? Yes. Exactly. It's it's just so it resonates. It uh, shows me my sin. It cuts me to the quick, and then it gives me my savior. It's it's precious. Uh, the, Isaiah is probably one of the mountaintop books of the Old Testament. It's uh, it, and it's so essential. And that's the this is the Bible that as uh, the, the the holy apostles had, you know, when they went out to proclaim the good news. The the Old Testament. Uh, they didn't have gospels, the gospels or the epistles like we are blessed with, but right. they this is their Bible, and and this is this is just wonderful, wonderful stuff. And actually, so to that to that end, it's it's sort of a shame that Isaiah fifty nine doesn't actually make it into the lectionary. Sixty does, right? You know, we, oh, yeah. we like the gospel part, but like the the law part of this sermon, right? Um, it, it, we, we skip over it a little too much. So it's good to look at this stuff. Language that, you know, because it's not in the lectionary, is a little bit unfamiliar. But there's stuff, when we look at it, we're like, hang on a second, I think I've heard that somewhere before. Like around verse 17, he put on a righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. And we're like, hang on a second, I, I think I've heard something. Uh, that, that sounds, that rings a bell. There, there's a lot of stuff um, that pops up from this chapter um, in the New Testament even. Exactly. Well, that's, you know, and that, that's, that's, uh, that's really encouraging in, you know, in, in wanting to try to not skip over some of the, some of the, um, these other mountaintops in Isaiah. Right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into this then. Um, I guess before, before we turn to the text, do you have any thoughts on how chapter 58 ties into this? Because, as I was going over this, it does feel like this seems to continue the same sort of problem that's going on in 58, that um, there's this this tension between uh, there there's this longing and seeking for God, um, but not finding him. And, and so that, that seems to be both what's here in 59 and also what was going on in the previous chapter, right? Well, it's yeah. They're talking at the the end of fifty eight about repentance. You know, yeah. if one wants to wants to repent and and to um, go into the way that God is leading them to turn away from their sins, it, it it gives some very good good advice. And of course, you have as some say, well, there you have the the mentioning of the Sabbath. You know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, then Isaiah here is, is a little bit, you know, they, they like to talk about multiple Isaiahs. You know, you, this is the other Isaiah that, that's so uh, hepped up about the law, you know, the, the ceremonial law. And, mm -hmm. and, of course, we still keep the third commandment in mind. But, um, you know, it's, it's uh, that, that God, Christ, has given us freedom to, to choose the time in which to worship, which should be at all times, uh, you know, that... Uh, to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, 
And so, uh, obviously, as Luther says, that we should let God's word work in us uh, and, and not be working ourselves so we can uh, that the Holy Spirit will work in us by hearing the hearing of the word. And so it's kind of, uh, 58 kind of leads us in the right direction is where, where, how can we repent? How can we be with God? Well, here it is. Let's hear the word. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Um, but before we read, would you open us up with a prayer for us and for everyone listening? And then we'll turn to the I text. Would, I would be blessed. Stir up your power and come, Lord Jesus. Our joy and delight make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Open the eyes blinded by the devil that they may see your glory in your precious gospel and sacraments. Rescue us from the tragic fruits of our sins that we may live in your light and splendor. Guide us as we consider your precious word today that clearly and powerfully shows us our sins, but then shows you as the only Savior from sin. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and read this first portion here through verse 8. So the first eight verses here opening us up in chapter 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. They hatch adder's eggs. They weave the spider's web. He who eats their egg dies. And from one that is crushed, a viper's hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity, and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. So just like we were saying, just, just scathing words of law, very, very condemning. And the, the way that it's framed, the perversion of justice, I mean, this is a theme that, I mean, it was certainly going on in Judah at the time, but it's a, a theme that, I mean, we relate to all over the world and every time. We, we feel this, that all too often, uh, the people who are in charge, the people who <laughs> are, are supposed to be administering the laws or who are in the courtrooms, like it mentions there in verse four, are, are the very ones who are full of deception and just manipulating things to their own advantage. So, I mean, it's something that it, it feels like a very timeless situation that we can certainly relate to ourselves, right? Exactly. It speaks, you know, it speaks truth to power. You know, it speaks right. truth, of course, to humanity. Um, you know, there it, um, and, and and of course, it's saying. It, I can't think the first verse kind of says, you know, well, where was you know, like people ask, where was God at nine eleven? Where is God when you have all of this disaster? Where is God uh, when when um, just these terrible uh, this terrible violence or terrible. Uh, trouble comes comes up, and and and, and Isaiah is going to answer that. <laughs> Why, <laughs> you know, right. God God is not His hand is not sh- shortened. Uh, his he he's not he he's he can hear. You know, Luther said, you know, God, are you dead? No, you can't die. You can only hide yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. why does He hide Himself? And then that's answered in verse two. Yeah, and it seems to be, so that was the thing that I saw that made me think right back to chapter 58, previous chapter, because the same thing seems to be going on, and it says there in verse, what was it, it was verse 3 of 58, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it, right? And so it seems like this is the the complaint 
that they're like, well, hang on, we're worshiping God and we pray and we're fasting. And so this is interesting because uh, the talk about the Sabbath, like you were mentioning earlier there at the end of the chapter 58, I mean, we saw that earlier as well, like a few chapters ago, and, and, the, and the Sabbath was a, it was a big theme in 56, but here it's fasting. And so it's like, yeah, hey, look, we're, we're doing all this stuff. And it's like, God's deaf. It's like he doesn't hear our prayers. And so, I mean, that's that seems to be carried then into chapter 59, that it's it's not merely like, well, why is God letting these bad things happen? But, you know, why is he letting these bad things happen when, hey, we're doing all the right things, right? Like, why, you know, why should he, you know, uh, be, be hiding? And like, why, why should she, he, blah, why should, should he be, uh, I guess, Tur- turning turning us over into our own uh, wrath and and all the rest of it, right? And, and it, it cuts through it cuts through the outer appearance of things. Yeah, it it it's like Jesus says that parable, that very unusual parable. Uh, you're like children sitting in the marketplace. We piped to you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not mourn. Or we sang dirges and you did not mourn. Kind of uh, kind of that kind of idea. You know, we're 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 putting on the the outward form of mourning or or repentance, or we you know we we're we're we're, we're joyful and you know uh, why won't you play along with us? Uh, I, right. I also am, am, am reminded of uh, you know th- this is a constant reminder because th- this came up a lot when I was in my early ministry. But uh, Rabbi Harold Kushner, who said, "Why bad things happen to good people." Uh, he, it, it isn't because of man's sin that there is a problem, but there, it's because God is is powerless to deal with sin or with any uh, calamity. Uh, you know, you know, like he speaks about Job, and he says, "Well, with Job, uh, is Job Job was a good man, or that God is just, or that God is all powerful." Those three truths cannot all be true. And we're not going to throw out the one about Job being just, and that's the one he needs to throw out. But we're going to throw out the fact that God is almighty. So when bad things happen, you have to learn to forgive God. You know, that that kind of twisted. And, and yeah. then we talk of, in this passage here, we're talking about iniquity. That's perversion. Right. That's twistedness. Or as one uh, teacher says, it's rot. You know, it's it's what what we would call uh, you know concupiscence, you know, theologically. Right. right. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's the thing is like God sees both, and so it's like He sees both. Yeah, He sees your fasting, and He sees you know your 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 prayers, and He sees the Sabbath um, observance that some of you are still doing. But he but He also sees the rest of what your hands are doing, and the rest of what your mouth is saying, and, and the rest of the stuff that's going on in your heart. And so it, it's. You know, you have this this very uh, very clear um, identification of the problem, right? Exactly like you were saying, it's not that God's powerless; like his his arm is not short. It's not like it's out of his reach, or you know, out it's out of his hands, right? It's not like it's like that, but it, but it really is that God's not going to be fooled by this sort of um, this this empty piety, and and I think that that's like what the image in verse five is supposed to be getting at that they hatch adders' eggs. They weave this spider's web and the rest of it. In verse 6, like their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. They are works of iniquity, right? Like, so it's it's not as if you're going to be able to hide from God and trick God into answering your prayers because you put on a big pious show. Like, you're, you're right. not going to be able to cover up your sins with, like, this kind of, like, you know, halfway, half-measure kind of piety, God sees right through it, and he and he sees. I mean, and he sees what. Uh, well, he sees really us for what we are. That you know, even though we we try to you know act like, oh well, you know, we we are certainly so repentant, right? We're actually a brood of vipers, and and that's I mean the language that then John the Baptist picks up later. That don't pretend to come to to baptism and participate in ceremonies and rites and do your show religion. Like God sees right through that stuff. And, and, and the psalmist who says, you know, you, you, their lips have the, the venom of asps, 
Uh, I mean, you know, even, you know, with the lies, you know, I mean, and and that's constantly a a theme in the law of of God's word is saying, you know, the the lies that people speak, the venom is right there in their mouths that they spit out into the world. You know, it's just, uh, and then, but I, but really what, what, what strikes me is in verse two, where it talks about a separation, your iniquities, uh, your perversenesses have made a separation between you and your God. The idea here, as uh, as Young in his commentary says, is like the expanse or the firmament that God sets up at the beginning of the cre- beginning of creation, where it says, "There let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters." You know, Genesis one, uh, where it's, it makes a makes a separation. Here it is not a positive separation, but here it's a negative separation. It separates us from our God, right? Yeah, you picture you, you picture the the scene back in Genesis where you know Adam he hears the voice of God and he goes and he hides, right? Yes, yeah. And he's there hiding already, uh, you know, hatching his his cover story, right? Already hatching right. his excuse, like, well, it wasn't really me. See, it was. It was this the woman, woman you here, gave and me. Th- th- you that you gave, gave me, me right? Woman. <laughs> right. So he he's already spinning his web, right? He's already spinning his web to use the language of, of verse five. He's already kind yeah. of hatching this. I mean, this really venomous plan, right? But th- none of that, none of that, this kind of like false righteousness, which would excuse him, right, or, or somehow mm-hmm. get him off the hook. N- none none of that matters. Why? Because he's separated from God. He's hiding still, right? And so it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. If we go and come up with all kinds of great excuses and like, oh, this is this is why, really, I mean, I, in my case, it's not really that bad. As long as we're still hiding from God, there's that separation, right? Exactly. And, and um, you know, we, we hide behind our own self-righteousness. I mean, listen to how the, the, um, the defense of uh, abortion comes about. A woman has the right to have confidentiality with her, with her doctor, that, that, that she can abort her child right up to the, even after it's born. You know, I mean, this is the, the, the perverseness of this in our society is just unbelievable unbelievable and it and it just it 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 separates us and and like you said you know we don't we don't like when the light is turned on if the light's turned on all of the roaches uh scurry uh to their places of hiding you were like these little roaches (laughs) the lights turned on right you know that that that's right that like at the heart of it all like hiding there in the darkness right is is this this core of evil and it seems to be that that's maybe the idea that gets picked up in Romans then, because it, isn't that something, you know, that verse there in 7, their feet run to evil and they're swept to shed innocent blood, that mm. that gets cited then in Romans chapter 3, and, and Paul gives it a new application, right? Yes. And, and, and uh, um you know that that that's kind of the thing. Even well, as you can see, even from John's Gospel, the one who hates his brother is a murderer. It's not only maybe in violent acts, but how? What are we thinking about? Uh, right. You know, I mean, I mean, we would. You know, I think Luther once said, you know, if we if 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 what could happen, what we're thinking about our brother who uh, you know gets us mad or whatever, uh, if 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 whatever would what we're thinking about happen to him he would be <laughs> cut into pieces you know he would be obliterated you know right. uh, the blood would be shed uh, you know in in our even in our thoughts or, or what we do with our words you know right. uh, you know like there are people that look at others and 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 you say if looks could kill uh, you know you you see how we sin against god in our thoughts words and right well i, I think that's why the 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 metaphor of venom is is so fitting here right i mean and that's what actually so in romans 3 right the context there so what then are we jews any better off no not at all for we're we all have already charged that um, both jews and greeks are under this are under sin as it is written none is righteous no not one it goes on the venom of asps is in their lips, right? And, and it goes and then it says, like the verses that we just read here um, from Isaiah uh, chapter 59. And so there's, you know, there's a, there's at least a couple stories in the Bible of 
of venomous asps or adders or, or vipers. And uh, one that comes to mind is when Paul is shipwrecked and he's on this island and he needs to build a fire. And so he's gathering up sticks and he gets his sticks and he, you know, he sets out to make his like campfire so they can keep warm, cook food, all those good things. Right. And then it's after he starts the fire, right. That, that one of the sticks he had gathered jumps out and bites him. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's just, it's something about that, how, you know, by all appearances, it's a stick, right? Like it's, it's as good. We can use this for firewood, for right? Fire. But, but what's, what, what's hiding there, right? It, there, it's this venom and you can be holding on to, to the snake in the midst of this bundle and you don't see it there, but it's what's on the inside. And I, I think that, that, that metaphor then how it's applied here. I mean, it's applied here to the, to the people of Judah, right. Uh, yeah. Is what Paul's picking up on that, that really that's just the thing of it. We can, we can go and pretend that we're going to be helpful or useful or innocuous or innocent or all the rest, but that, that venom is there on the inside and it's just waiting for the opportunity to, to come out and to then um, really do the injury that's already on our hearts. Like you were just saying. And, and uh, the, in verse 8, of course, it speaks about the way of peace. That reminds us of, of Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, who, who says uh, to, you know, to guide our feet into the way of peace at the end of the Benedictus. Uh, that, that, of course, when we speak in the Old Testament, they speak about living. It talks about going or walking in a path. You know, what type of path do we follow? And, uh, you know, that so so life itself is, is a foot foot journey that we, we do through life. And uh, what what path are we following? Are we following in the path of peace or are we following in the path of iniquity? Right. Well, yeah, and that that kind of um, fork in the road between these two paths I mean, is very reminiscent of the Psalms, like you were just mentioning the Psalms like this, this language. It, it feels actually kind of very much like the Psalms. And when you, when you look at some of the different footnotes that the ESV puts on here, there's a lot of uh, Psalms that are mentioned um, by way of allusion here that, that seem to have like some similar uh, themes and ideas. But so, so considering then, like, so what's, what's going on here? It, it seems that there is in the people of Judah, and we talked about this, that there were survivors. Not everyone was deported. There were some people left. But it, it was a mess, and we saw how back in chapter 57 that it, there was a lot of idolatry going on. They they were worshiping uh, Molech with child sacrifices. They were, they were going up under underneath different trees and conducting all sorts of perverse rituals, like in this kind of weird fertility nature uh, cult that was going on. So all this stuff was going on, but the thing is we know from 58 and 59 what was also going on was calling on the name of the Lord still that they mm -hmm. were, they were still at least, at least outwardly, right. They were still saying, you know, Yahweh, they were still pronouncing his name and there they yeah. were like saying like, you know, Hey, well, why isn't this working? Right. Um, well, they, they so, even believe that their perverse manner of, of worship was something which they, they were using that to worship God with. Right. I mean, they were thought right. that that was valid, a valid way of worshiping God. And and, right. and um and that's what like for instance with the high places and everything in the Old Testament, um you know I mean you know that, of course that kind of goes to some ways in which people say you know question like some of the uh, ways in which we worship God you know uh, in, in is is something appropriate or isn't even though it's it's something that's uh, we we would be free to use like what we call in in, in theology adiaphora or indifferent things. Uh, you know how you know what happens when when uh, evil or evil people or you know use the same thing or you know kind of point that to us and 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 kind of say well we're being a little hypocritical here, you know with right. uh, using you know so sometimes yeah, yeah. In, in different things are not indifferent you know no that that, that that's right yeah they're. They're indifferent in the sense of the scripture doesn't speak to them necessarily directly, but the scripture has something to say about everything. It's not as if there is something that God is indifferent or doesn't care about. Um, exactly. He cares about the, the whole of us, certainly. And so, you know, so here they go and they're saying like, well, hey, like, you know, why should God care, right? <laughs> why should God care what we're doing 
if we're, we're still doing all this other good stuff. Right. And like, how often do you hear that today? Like, why, why, why does God care? You know, what might be said, why does God care what two consenting adults do in the bedroom? Right. You know, why should God care? about, you know, this, yeah. that, or the other thing. Like, we're not hurting just anyone. We're that, not, that, we're not, right. uh, yeah. Yeah, so and, it, it, goes, it goes back to this, and it, it feels like very similar. It's just like, you know, like, like why why should God care about this other stuff? You know, hey, we're, we're doing the stuff that really counts, right? And then, of course, we get to selectively pick the things that we think should really count, right? Exactly. Um, and say, like, hey, that, so God, you know, should be playing along, just like you were saying, like, we're playing the tune, God should dance, Right. And, and this is just like this very like small, ironically, right, because um, these sorts of things are said by people who, you know, are speaking in the name of open mindedness and broad mindedness. Right. It's a very small minded way of thinking about God as if like God will care about whatever, like, you know, memes or passing trends or fads happen to be going on at this moment, that that's the thing that will control the almighty God of creation. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's just absurdity. It's, it's deception. You know, we, we're, 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 we deceive ourselves. You know, uh, if we say we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, it, it's, right. it's, it's uh, that, that's, that's the essence of sin. It, right. It's just, uh, and, and, and with a show of right, with, with, um, you know, hypocrisy, you know, we're, we're maybe, uh, as Jesus says, you know, why do you, are you concerned about the speck that's in your brother's eye when you don't look at the log that is in your own eye? You well, know, no, that, it, that, that's right. And that's a very helpful reminder because, I mean, you know, we're, we're saying this, and of course, you know, we can think and readily these things come to mind of, you know, what we would say are unbelievers who say these sorts of things or do these sorts of things. But of, of course, we remember, right, the words of our Lord Jesus about the speck and the log. And also, again, it's Paul who cites these very verses and says, so are we Jews any better off? No, we're not. We are mm-hmm. all in the same boat. We all do this stuff. It's God's people, let's remember, in Judah were the ones that were doing this. Um, more should be said on that point, but we got to go into our break But everybody, hang with us. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 59 here on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because Good Lutheran Books for Kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 59. We just read the first eight verses here, talking about there's there's this this application that Paul makes of these verses, and, and it's very fitting. This is the mess that's going on in Judah. There's, yeah, calling on the name of Yahweh, and there's fasting, and there's, you know, Sabbaths and prayers, but there's also all this other stuff going on. And so it's not that God has, you know, lost his touch or lost his power. It's that God is, is uh, looking at this darkness and this, this evil, their separation that our sin creates. We're joined today by Pastor David Boisclair, pastor of faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. I want to also make sure to remind everybody, uh, do, if you have a chance, maybe after, after you're done listening, or when you have a chance, uh, check out the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, our underwriters. You can see their website at lhfmissions.org. They have a lot of really interesting interesting stuff about uh, Bible translation, among other things. That's you know one of the things that we'll talk about sometimes. Like, there's some some nuance in the Hebrew or the Greek, and you know we, we have the luxury of you know having like dozens of Bible translations at our fingertips. Well. Not everybody does for the language that they speak or the place that they're in. So very good work there, Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Uh, so here, turning turning back to the text here, um, and we should probably get, get a move on here, but we were just looking at that 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 viper, um, that that venom metaphor, and that's clearly something that's just part of the human condition. 
that doesn't matter if you're a religious person or a non-religious person. We, we all try to get away with this stuff. Um, and it's, as you were saying, it's, it's deception and it's self-deception. You know, it's interesting in verse five, it talks about crushing of, uh, um, it says, and from one that is crushed an egg, you know, one of their eggs, um, that, uh, a viper is hatched. It sort of reminds me of, of the mythical Hydra beast, that uh, if you, it had nine heads, and, and Hercules, of course, conquered it. But uh, if you cut off one of its heads, you get two others that, that spring up from, from the, where it's been, right. uh, where it was cut off. And, and so, you know, you, you even have this vivid, uh, the vivid picture language that the ancient world used. Um, you know, it just, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, of the Hebrew language. It's very powerful with its uh, living uh, picture language like here and speaking about you know and, and and of course it's like similes and metaphors this is yeah. like a viper and a viper's eggs and, and a spider's web and, and all of this just just very powerful yeah well right it's not just a sermon here it's it's poetry here i mean that's yes. the way the, the prophets spoke in and uh, isaiah has been pretty consistently speaking in poems the whole way through, though ironic that we mentioned this point in particular, right? Because, uh, and, and just having mentioned earlier, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation and Bible translation, because this is probably a spot where the ESV is slightly off because vipers don't lay eggs. They actually give birth to live young. That's why they're called vipers. Um, so, <laughs> oh, it's, it's a, actual... no, it's adders. Uh, I don't well, know whether see, it, it, see, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I, no, 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 you're, talks, but... you're, you're fine. Cause in the ESV, it actually says Viper, right? But if you look at like the NIV or some other translations, they'll say like adder or, or serpent or, or whatever the case is, but, uh, it, it's just, uh, so, so you, 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 you are fine, but it's just a, it's an interesting thing that when you have all this poetry and all these different ancient words from Hebrew, it can be. Uh, it can be, you can, you can lead to things that you're like, hang on, what? Um, and so Bible translators certainly have their work cut out for them, not they an certainly enviable do. Yes. task. But let's take a look here at the rest of this first part of Isaiah 59 that we do have translated here for us here um, in our own language. Let's look at verses 9 through 13. And this will just kind of complete the thought before we uh, we take a turn really at verse 14. So it says here, starting in verse 9, Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold, darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it's far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgressing and denying the Lord and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. So uh, just in many ways, just complimenting that, that first section. And it's, it's, it's interesting because it complements it um, both in terms of the, the content, like, you know, there in, in this kind of section, it's, it's a little bit, uh, the metaphors that were in the first section kind of get put in plain language. We're not, we're not talking about venom anymore under our lips. We're talking about um, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. So it kind of like, you know, says like, hey, that's what it stood for, right? So there's that kind of complimenting, but it also complements it because the voice changes, right? Like uh, for one through eight, it was all they, 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 but yeah. here in nine through 13, it's we, 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 there is some recognition, right? On on behalf of the people, on the part of the people, like this is what's going on, that we, we are guilty of this stuff. It's a, it reminds you of... of um... Uh, Nathan coming to David and telling him the parable uh, of the uh, the sheep, the poor man's sheep that the rich man takes and, and, and slaughters for his guest because he doesn't he want to uh, uh, lose any of his own sheep, uh, you know, and sort of like they did that, this guy did this, and then and David says, well, then put, he needs to be put to death. You are the man. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, uh, right. it's sort of like where the prophet is is saying, you know, well, we've talked about all of all of what people do, but guess what? You do it. <laughs> right. That, well, that, yeah, that, and that, also that's very I, powerful. Yeah, and I, and I think the same thing is actually there. So there's another metaphor here, which is one that we haven't really um, seen too much of. In verse 11, you know, we all growl like bears, we moan and moan like doves, which which can strike as a as kind of an odd sort of metaphor. But uh, I, I think it had it's very similar to what you were just saying in that, you know, what was it? It was, I think, was it back in chapter 50, uh, 57 or was it I think it may have been actually it was back in 56 where it said, you know, all you beasts of the field come to devour all you beasts in the forest, right? And so uh, there, you know, in the Old Testament, wild animals are metaphors for the the Gentiles, the outsiders, right? I mean, that's what you have, um, you know, in the vision that Peter has, right, in Acts, where, you know, this, this sheet comes down from heaven, there's all these wild animals on it. They represent the nations. But, but right, here... But- in, in chapter 59, it's like, well, we're the animals, right? Like, we we are actually just like the Gentiles because of what we're doing mm-hmm. here. Um, and so like the Gentiles, when we pray to God and we're saying like, hey, look, why isn't God answering our prayers? Well, we're not really praying. We're just growling and, and, and moaning. We're just making unintelligible noises because we're not acting or looking like God's people at all. Right. A very, very, very good uh, point to be made there, yes. I think that's that's very insightful. Uh, you know, I notice they they talk about justice. Um, you know, a lot right. of times people will uh, view that in a different way. You know, I remember uh, different interpretations, uh, like for instance of Christ, um, his beatitudes. You know, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of what is right. You know, uh, you know. Again, it, it he says for righteousness' sake. Right. Um, it, it, it has the idea, well, I have to fight for uh, freedom or, or uh, you know, so, and this, of course, comes with like Marxists who say, well, I, I you know, I have to fight for what is right, uh, right or just. And, and they don't have the right understanding of what God means when he speaks about righteousness. He, uh, you know, in other words, what is the what will allow me to be. Uh, you know, with my God, well, what righteousness? Right. And 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 of course, obviously, it is a righteousness that's given to us in Christ. It's Christ's righteousness. But in here, it's it's just saying we don't. There's no righteousness here among us. Yeah. We have no righteousness. Yeah, and and it's it's like. Um, uh, you know that's that, but but we think we have righteousness. We think we're just. We think we we go through the motions. We go to court. We litigate. We do everything else. But uh, there really is no righteousness among us. Right. Well, it's it's a multifaceted thing, like you were saying, and 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 you and you can look at how whenever the Bible talks about righteousness, or like you know, like even in the Beatitudes, um, you know, it is. Is a very flexible word in, in Greek and Hebrew. It encompasses so much more. Like in, in English, we have to say, you know, righteousness, justice, innocence. Like we can go on and on and on. In some places, it, it seems to almost mean some kind of salvation. Right. I wonder if that that might be part of what's going on in verse nine. That here they are. Why, why are they? Why are they praying? Right? Why are they fasting? Why are they calling out? Well. They they know that this this is messed up, right? Judah is in shambles, right? I mean, they 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 know that externally it looks like it's in shambles. They don't have a king anymore, right? They don't have a temple anymore. They don't have a palace anymore. So they're praying, you know, God, when are we going to get this stuff back? You know, when do we right. get to rebuild? When when is all that going to happen, right? Um, exactly. and, and then God just isn't isn't answering, and it it seems you know unfair on a certain level, right? Going because again, going back to it, because it's like, hey. We, we're reciting the magic formula. We're, we're we're praying. We're fasting, right? We said, you know, the name of Yahweh. So, like, you know, why why is you know the right thing would be for God to come and do this? So why exactly. isn't God doing the right thing? Why isn't the right thing here? Like, and and here the 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 response from the prophet is like, well, God's not doing the the right thing here, right? Like the thing that you're longing for, um, because of of what you're doing, you're you're calling it out. And you're and you're stretching out your hand like someone who's blind, who has no sight. You're, you you claim to be seeking God, but I mean, like you think you're actually seeking God? You're you're going in all the wrong directions right now. 
it sort of reminds me when when I go into a dark room and I want to maybe uh, save electricity by not turning the light on, and and so I I so you're walking blindly into a room trying not to stub your toes, and and you and you look for a, like a a wall or feel for a wall or, or feel where that uh, chair is sitting, you know, so you don't bump into it, and it's sort of like here you're you're kind of wandering about. Uh, like someone who cannot see, so you're you're going through life like a, a and then and then what's really striking, very important in verse ten is it speaks about dead men walking like dead men, and right. uh, you, you we are blind, deaf, dead in our sins. And, right, and, and those are all descriptions that we we've, we've seen throughout Isaiah, and they're ones that get picked up then by our Lord in the Gospels. Um, really completing and showing this idea of like right, the God's righteousness, you know, like you know, you want God to come and do the right thing. Well, like it's it's not going to arrive anytime soon, like this. Um, and that and that's kind of the the thought I think in verses fourteen and fifteen, the first parts there. I'll go ahead and just read those like one and a half verses here. It says, "Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter." Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. I mean, so what, what? What an interesting phrase, right? Uprightness cannot enter, right? It's like you know, you're you're praying for this, you know, upright justice, righteousness stuff of God, but like you're barricading the doors, right, with your sin. You know, it reminds me of uh, in the gospel where I think it's in Mark how it says that our Lord could not perform miracles in a certain place because of the lack of faith there, right? It's this, it's the same kind of idea. It's like God God would happily come and do this, right? But you're you're sort of getting in the way and not letting him come in. Right, exactly. And that's, of course, how we are by nature. But still, even though, you know, even those who are reborn in Christ, uh, they, they can, um, you know, go in the wrong direction and, 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 uh, because they're still sinful and and uh, be blind uh, and um, uh, you know close their eyes to what what the truth is you know and right. maybe cherry pick what the word of God they want to hear right right and, and right, these are the parts that God should care about right and then in here in verse fifteen too it talks about making oneself a prey you know you stand up for you know if God has led you to what is true in His Word what is the truth and then you stand up for it you know you're not going to be very popular in the world you're going to right, be like no. a prey well yeah no you're you're easy pickings for a bunch of wolves and snakes and you know adders and spiders around I me mean, like right I mean all these like mm-hmm. kind of predator. Uh, opportunistic predator uh, metaphors going around. It reminds me of what we saw back in um, chapter, what was it? Was it chapter 57? How at the beginning there's, there's that description of the righteous men or the devout men who are perishing and taking away and no one understands. Right. And it's like the the, the people who are faithful in Judah, there are some apparently not many, but the ones who are left are just getting picked off. By, by the people who are going um, the way of the world with the rest of it, right? So it just exactly. speaks to just the greatness of the depravity. Uh, we are coming up on 10 minutes here, so I want to make sure that we read the rest of the chapter, uh, especially Absolutely. so we can look at this. Uh, I mentioned it, the, this armor of God, right, which we think, you know, Paul came up with or something, but like, no, it's here in Isaiah here. Um, Paul just citing um, Isaiah in so many places in his letters. Let's read the last portion here. So the second half of verse 15, continuing on to the end. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And the Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that's upon you, 
and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. So it's so interesting. It's fascinating to me that this armor of God image gets put in context here that, I mean, you know, the armor of God stuff, you know, I've, it gets, it's very popular, I think for like kind of thematic Bible studies. And it's like each week we're talking about like a different, you know, piece of the armor and stuff. And like, don't forget your helmet and don't forget your breastplate. Right. And, uh, and, and Paul speaks of it as the panoply. In other words, the whole armor of God. Put yeah. on the or- whole armor of God so you can stand again in the evil day and having done all to stand. Right. You know, in, other yes, words, exa- exactly. in other words, be, be enlisted in God's army of light. Be well, enlisted see, with, yeah. You know. I was going to say, like, so, so yeah, so you're right. Like in Paul, wh- wh- who's putting the armor on, right? Well, I mean, it, it says there, like, I mean, you're putting it on, I suppose, right? And so, and so it's very easy for us to take that and be like, well, okay, like, I got to, you know, put on this armor so I can go, you know, do some, do some, like, um, some work against, you know, the evil one and fight spiritual forces and spiritual warfare in this, right? Uh, but but the, what's it's really interesting, though, is, like, who's putting the armor on here? Right. I mean, God's putting the armor on. Why? Because there's no man. Oh. There's nobody. He's looking at Judah. Right. And he's like, guys, this is bad. There is no one there to make intercession. There is no one in your midst to call on me to save you. If I wait for you guys to get your act together, to actually pray to me the right way and put away your idols, I'm never going to save you. You're never going to like back down from barricading the doors. And so God has to say, so I'm just going to do it anyway. And I'm, and I'm just going to save you and bring you. Um, this this righteousness, right? There, and there's the thing, right? He, they've been longing for this righteousness, God's vindication, right? Punishing their enemies, um, but but they don't deserve Him to do that. And, right. and so God says, "I'm just going to do it anyway." And, and so that righteousness as a breastplate stands in in parallel with garments of vengeance for clothing. And so when God comes um, at the end of this Babylonian, you know, captivity. Um, and brings Cyrus, right, from the east, from the rising of the sun, as it says in verse 19, it, yes. it's not like it's because he was responding to Judah finally getting its act together, right? Finally, they'd cleaned themselves up, you know, finally, like, the, you know, the, everything was set right in their lives, and so now God was going to do this. No, he just did it anyway, because he knew if he didn't take it upon himself to do this, it was never going to happen. And and this this really points to very strictly toward the incarnation of the Son of God, who is is our righteousness, the Lord our righteousness, and He is the one that uh, is is clad in righteousness for uh, the sinner to to trust. and And it's interesting in in verse fifteen where it says that there uh, the Lord saw it and it displeased Him that there was no right, justice or righteousness. Well, you know, right. it, it, Jesus says, "When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth?" Right. And it, of course, is the presence of faith in the heart of the believer that receives the righteousness. That's when there is righteousness because there is there is that faith with God given, God created faith in 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 the Messiah, in the Redeemer. So, so as you were saying, it's Christ who puts on the righteousness, actually, and, yes. and that really that that's a very interesting way to think about it. Then that when Paul is talking about you know this armor of God, he in the first place is strictly speaking talking about Christ, who is God, putting on this armor. Like it's not the armor that's like from God that God is like loaning you. It's the armor of God. It's the armor that He wears, <laughs> and so the only way that we can put on this armor is to put on Christ. Uh, the only yeah, way that, many, that we can... As many of you as have been baptized into exactly. Christ have been clothed in Christ. We are exactly. in Christ. Exactly. We're not with Christ, or we're not above Christ, or below Christ, or, or talking to... We are in Christ by, right. faith, by His power through, through the Word and sacrament. Right. And, and so when we hear about, especially that like sword of the Spirit... 
you know, and, and we as Christians are like, oh, I'm going to wield that sword of the spirit and I'm going to do some spiritual warfare. I mean, we got to take a step back and realize like, it's Christ who's the one who's who's wielding that sword. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you 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 if you're if you're in Christ, then then you're part of him, right? You know, and like maybe maybe you're a you know a pinky or a or a thumb or something, or maybe I'm the toenail or something. We're a part of the body of Christ, but ultimately it's Christ who's who's the one who's doing all of that. Um, you know, we we shouldn't be I, I you know so thinking so big of ourselves, I suppose, to suppose that like you know it's like this is like our own personal set of of spiritual uh, warfare armor or something like that. It's really pointing to just how God had to take it upon himself to bring us salvation, because if he was going to wait for us, he was going to be waiting for the rest of eternity. And so if he was going to wait for a, a pure sacrifice, right, hands that were not um, drenched in blood, there was never going to be a sacrifice. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to offer a sacrifice. I'm going to offer my own son. You know, it's only because of God's own just patience and, and gracious graciousness um, that that he's the one who makes the first move and and that that really I think when we see righteousness there that's I think for me anyway the thing that's jumping out that it's it's like you know we we're here we are like hang on why isn't God coming yet and when he does finally show up it's not because of anything that we did it's just his initiative exactly and that's that's the powerful. Um, you know, idea. I think that's very helpful to understand this because a lot of times you you think more of what you know we have to do, or I mean, and you know, as as if our life in to, to uh, for God or in God is something that we have to kind of get the gumption to do ourselves, and that isn't. It's by not by might or by power, but my spirit, says the Lord. And, right. And, and His spirit comes to us through the gospel and the sacraments. Right. It, it's like, um, you know, taking your, like, uh, your uh, kind of taking the darkness metaphor, uh, groping on the wall, right. Kind of sending it to a, a situation you might find yourself in. Like, like, uh, for, for me, what happens is I'll be like, my hand will be on the wall and I'll be looking for the light switch. And I just, and it's bad because I'll, sometimes I'll be distracted and I'll even be like, uh, my hand will be all over the wrong wall. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, like I've, mi- I've misremembered where the light switch actually is. Right. And it's as if like that, that's us. And it's like, guys, we're on the wrong wall. We're never going to get the lights on. At this exactly. point. But, then, but then God just, and this is what we have in the next chapter. God comes in and brings in the light um, that we were never going to find ourselves. Um, just, just one minute left here. Um, some final reflections on this, this chapter, which does set us up beautifully for the chapter we have next time. Well, and uh, 21 is so is a watershed here. It talks about his covenant with them. Uh, Christ is is our testament, uh, you know, his uh, his blood and body and blood of the new covenant, and that his spirit is upon us, and he promises to put his word in our mouths. Uh, his his word is truth, and it and it guides us into all truth. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, brother, for joining us, and uh, I, I just wish the best for you and, uh, and yours for this Advent and Christmas season coming up. And, and, and mine to you and your dear ones. Thank you, brother. Everybody, this was Pastor David Boyce-Claire, pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Thanks for joining us. Moving on to Isaiah chapter 60 next time. Arise, shine, for your light has come. I'm looking forward to that, those epiphany words like we were saying. Until next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.